Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, and Second Peter, first, the first chapter of Second Peter, verses 3 through 8. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to spoke to you as his children? He said, My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by, his fa by its father? And that's from the New Living Translation. The second reading is from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patience, patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Erica. Um, these, uh, I picked these texts because uh, they both, both texts use a word that I want us to think about a little bit. Um, the first in Hebrews 12, 2, uh, talks about Jesus who endured the cross. Uh, verse 3, he endured hostility. Verse uh, 7, he says to us, endure trials. And then Peter uh, talks in First Peter, Second uh, Peter 1, 6 about endurance. So all four of those verses each have a word uh, that has the same root, the same meaning. Um, and that's why we, we read those passages today. One of the most inspiring pictures I've seen lately uh, comes from Poland. It was on the news. Uh, it was a train moving into, or a, a train parked in a, in a station. And uh, there were people, the platform was jammed with people and they were uh, carrying supplies and different kinds of things and putting them on the train. And they were getting on the train themselves. 
to go back to the Ukraine to, uh, to fight in the war. These were people that had fled Ukraine in the beginning when uh, there was so much uncertainty and that sort of thing, so much chaos. Now they were going back, men and women, in order to participate in the war. There are other pictures. Uh, Zelensky sitting behind his desk in Kyiv, recording daily encouragement to his besieged countrymen and calling world leaders to ask for their help. And there's all those uh, in the same Ukrainian pantheon of pictures are those of the, the soldiers, the civilians, the men who escorted their wives and children to some safe place and then went back into the country. Or if you want us some other uh, examples, uh, there, there's plenty. Uh, you think about Mother Teresa and what she suffered, and she did suffer. Uh, there's a, a wonderful documentary about her life and about the struggle that she went through. I think it was called The Letters or something like that. And there were these letters of tremendous suffering and burden that she was writing back to people as she participated in this, this wonderful ministry in, in India. Uh, this word that I'm talking about is uh, hupomonane, is the way it sounds in Greek. Um, it, it is a, a word which means endurance. Endurance is qualitatively, qualitatively a different word than putting up with. It's a different word. Uh, when, when God talks about endurance, uh, that's the subject of the, more, of the sermon this morning. He's talking about something that strikes us differently, that, that works differently in our lives. Uh, I think in a lot of the uses of that word, it means that we expect that there's going to be some kind of resistance or protestation about what we have chosen to be and to do. Uh, and this is, this is a reaction against us because of our faith, because of our integrity, because that we refuse to yield to the pressures of society. It's not because uh, you didn't get politically what you wanted to get in the last election. And now I'm suffering. That's not what it's talking about. There's a second word. Uh, the second word is macrothumia. The first word was hupomonane, and the second word is macrothumia. Uh, two very distinct words. And this word encourages endurance, but it's a different kind of endurance. Uh, this means long-suffering. This means patience. And so there's somebody that you work with, and, and they, to you, are just the most irritating person you've ever met in your life. What 
Scripture is calling us to do in that case is to be perseverant, to, to keep going on with them, to walk down the path with them, to endure that thing that is so irritating that you don't like. I remember growing up, we used to have people at our church that would, would uh, come forward repeated times on Sunday morning for prayer. And it was always generally the same thing that they were asking for prayer for. And you could just hear the other people groaning, going, he asked us to pray for that last week. What, he's just wanting attention. And I think this, this macrothumia says, my response to that ought not to be, I'm just done with you, but to say to myself, how can I help this person? How can I be more patient? Uh, how can I understand in a better way what is happening in that person's life that causes them to do that. This word, I think, really has to do with quality of relationships. And we've all had people in our lives that we had to be, we had to show this kind of patience, kind of endurance, because it's hard to be endurant, isn't it? You just want to be done with it. And scripture says, no, Macrothumia. I want you to go the, the extra mile with, with people like this. Both ideas, hupomonane and macrothumia, uh, have in them the idea of intentionality. Uh, I, I know what's going, it's like those fighters in Ukraine who got back on the train in order to go back to uh, in Poland, rather, to go back to Ukraine in order to, to fight. There's an intentionality about that. There's, there's an endurance about that that says, I know I'm, I need to suffer. I'm going to suffer in this. I may even be killed, but I have made the decision to go back because I think that's the right thing to do in this case. Or like a Mother Teresa that says, I have made the decision to live with a small wardrobe. I think she had something like two changes of clothes, one pair of shoes. That was a decision that she made. Um, would it be nice to have three pair, two pair of shoes and three changes of clothing? Yeah, but she made this decision. I think it's helpful living in the, the in the spoiled United States, the proper, prosperous United States, to be able to see what, what these kinds of people do. Um, if you want a sports example, Simone Biles. I don't, I don't think we've ever had a gymnast like her. Almost a machine in the skill that she demonstrates. But don't you think that there were some mornings that when she, she needed to be going to the gym to practice, to put in hours of practice, when she wanted to just roll over? How many of those mornings do you think it would take to turn her from this excellent, beautiful, wonderful gymnast to just sort of a 
mediocre or mid-range gymnast. Good enough. Spit in a promise kind of performance. Endurance says, I'm going to, to go beyond that. Uh, one of the things I found out um, when we were doing, in the early days of this plant, when, we were, when Bev and I went to, uh, to get training, was that plants of our nature have a five-year lifespan. Did you know that? Five years. Life Springs is like 16 years old now. In July, in fact. No, pardon me, September. And I, I wonder why some of those planters weren't taught the, the idea of endurance. The idea that it's going to be hard. There's going to be mornings when you wake up and you don't want to do it anymore. What would have happened if more of those planters had that kind of vision regarding what they were doing? I think there would have been some different outcomes in there. Jeremiah. Jeremiah was, uh, during the middle of the Babylonian War, his, uh, his cousin comes to him, I think it was his cousin, Hanamel. And Hanamel says to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, God wants you to buy my piece of property. Eric, how much property do you think you could sell in a war zone? Not too much. That's what Hanamel is asking Jeremiah to do. I want you to buy my, my land. I'm going to sell it. And, and God wants you to do that. And Jeremiah says, well, okay. The Lord wants it. I guess I need to do that. So, And he gets the deed to the property and he puts it in a jar. Man, you think about the hopefulness that's involved in that kind of decision that says, I'm, I'm committed to this land. I'm committed to the will of God in my life. I'm committed and intentional, and so I'll buy the land. Or there's, there's Job. Uh, you know, the amazing thing about the, the Job story, you already know, I think, that this is a parable. And I, I think... I really think somebody, whoever the writer of Job was, it's the oldest book in our canon, I think, if I remember correctly, was thinking about the whole idea of why is there so much evil in the world? Uh, why is there a Ukraine? Why is, why is there an Uvalde? Why? Why do, do some of our politicians get up and say things that they say that they're so obviously mean? Why? And that's what the Job writer was doing. He was, he was trying to, to figure that out. And, and uh, in this story, you have this man of, of sterling faith and hope and character 
Job. He's lost everything. And he refuses to give up on God. That's endurance. That's steadfastness. That's faithfulness. Or another person that comes to my mind is Nelson Mandela. 23 years in prison. Mandela was a, a lawyer. He was an attorney. And uh, he was... He was um, advocating with, uh, I can't remember the, the political entity, but it was for equal rights for black South Africans. And he got thrown in prison, in prison for that. He was accused of uh, something like insurrection or, or, or whatever. 27 years. He, not all of it on Robben Island, but most of it on Robben Island in this, this prison cell. And he came out, and he came out not a bitter man, not an angry man waving his fist and getting even. He became president of South Africa. But, but here was this man that had all of the character of what we've been talking about, the macrothumia and the hupomone, who, who perseveres and who asks the question, how can I bring peace to my country? How can I help people? think through how we heal this. And it was Noah. Noah was, oh, the world must have been in an awful mess because God is basically saying, I'm going to blow this place up. I'm just tired of this. I don't know if you saw the movie. There was a movie made about, it was a story of Noah. And it made evangelicals angry, and they thought it was an awful movie. I, Bev and I went, and we thought it was wonderful. And one of the things that it did is it, it presented the darkness of the world at that time. Uh, the, it was written by a, or directed by an atheist. And I, I thought after I saw the movie, how, how did he do this? How did he, he so nail it? And so here's Noah in the midst of all that. And God notices him and he says, man, there's a man of character. That's who I'm looking for. That's, that's the kind of person that, that I want to work through. Paul describes his fraught life in 2 Corinthians 3, 6, 3 through 10. And he talks about how many times he's been in jail, how many times he's been beaten within an inch of his life. Uh, and at the end of that, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Paul's saying, I've done the Simone Biles thing. I've done the marathoner thing. I have stuck through it. I have broken the tape. And that's what distinguishes people that, uh, that Hebrew writer is talking about. I want to make sure how I'm doing. Okay. The Bible has a lot to say about these two characteristics. 
forbearance or, or steadfastness. And I want to finish the sermon by just kind of giving you some bullet points on, on what this looks like. Um, actually, steadfastness produces maturity. James says that. So it's more than just gritting your teeth and getting through it. But this is something that actually produces fruit in your life. It makes you, you wiser as a human being. It makes you uh, a, better, a better person. Second, endurance is hopeful. Why am I doing this? Well, Noah did it for the will of God. Noah did it because he believed that God was at work in this. And there was an outcome to it. Um, Job did it because he believed in God. Jeremiah brought the property, property because he believed in God. He believed that Babylon wasn't all there was. That there was going to be something amazing after all of this. Trials te teach us discipline. Undisciplined people don't go through trials like that. They give up. They walk away. Um, perseverance has its eye on the future. That's why I persevere. I think if you taught that to church planters, that's what church planters would do their work for, is because they had an eye on the future. They were looking at what things could be with God's help. Testing produces the ability to, to endure uh, with determination. Not just, not just gritting your teeth, not just groaning all the time, but uh, actually with a, with a sort of, I feel empowered. I can, I can go through this. I can do this. I'm not saying, th these are important points, I'm not saying uh, that uh, let me reword that. The thing I'm saying is, first of all, that trial is inevitable. It, it's just inevitable because this is a broken world. Um, I am not saying that God does it. I don't think God says, zap, I'm going to put you through it. Just don't believe that. But I do believe there are ungodly people that resist us and try to harm us. Uh, I do think that uh, there, are, there are evil people that uh, buy guns and go out and kill people. There's all that stuff. And so here's the Christian in the midst of all that and endurance is one of the things that you have to have in order to be able to make your way through it. Otherwise, you just crawl in a hole. Second, trials can be awful. I'm not saying that trials are a good thing in that sense. Trials can be awful. Um, and again, it's not God causing them. It's this broken, evil world that we live in that, that is the origin of all this stuff. 
and, uh, and they can be awful. People get fired, cars have wrecks, people experience being a victim of crime, there's sexual trauma, and a million, a million of other things. And I think there's a kind of the, one of the messages of the Christian life is that in spite of all that awful stuff that in and of itself has no value, but I as a child of God have a unique perspective on the future, on how to live through all of that stuff, of how to be a person of integrity, and that's the thing that's going to lead me through this. Uh, I am saying that we learn from the things that happen to us. But we can also not learn. And the people that don't learn keep doing them over and over and over again, uh, wondering why things are not different. We can turn our minds on and think intentionally about our lives during moments of struggle. We can ask, how has it changed me? Where do I want to grow and change from the experience? How do I want to be in the future based on this struggle? Uh, we are conscious of the emotional costs of the struggle, and what we learned about ourselves is either that strength is amplified or... Uh, uh, it's a weakness needing to be deal with, dealt with. How, how did I come to this, this thing this, that caused me such pain and struggle? Did I power my way through it? Or did I feel really weak? Both require some, some learning. We don't shrink from difficulty, but with the strength that God and friends per, uh, provide us. That's why it's important that we have uh, significant friends and loved ones around us who, who supply us when we don't feel strong. Um, I, I don't like suffering. I, I don't like it. I hate it. Uh, I don't like it when I have doubts or fears or things like that that seem to oppress me and, and make me want to give up. But I also know, thanks to what uh, the great New Testament writers said, is that these are openings into uh, greater insight. So I hope you'll think about Hupomone and hypo, uh, uh, pardon me, macrothemia. Hupomonane and macrothemia. Not that you'll remember those words, but just remember the concepts, the ideas about uh, perseverance, not giving up, sticking with it. Let's pray. Dear Father, life can be very hard. At times we feel overwhelmed and even want to quit. We want to quit you or quit relationships or quit school and church and other important part of our lives. We just want to quit. 
Sometimes we have no choice about that. Sometimes we do. Whatever the case, we need your help. Fill us with your spirit and give us uncommon strength to persevere when possible. Uh, to go through it and to emerge on the other side with greater insight or wisdom, maybe greater calmness. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.